0: Hey, and welcome to Hypnotize Me, the podcast about hypnosis, transformation, and healing. This is Dr. Elizabeth Bonet, and I'm your host. This podcast is not a substitute for mental health treatment, nor should it be. If you need therapy or hypnotherapy, please seek a trained professional. I do hypnosis all over the world. So if you'd like to learn more about me, you can do that at my website, drlizhypnosis.com. That's D R L I Z hypnosis.com. Now on to our episode. Hi, everyone. Dr. Liz here. So today's episode is going to be wonderful. It's a really different perspective on beating addiction. But before we get to it, I do want to mention a couple of things. I am part of the podcast exchange, as you've heard on the last couple of episodes. And this week's is Emotions and Harmony. And the host is Dr. Carmen Roman. And she is really lovely. She actually puts this podcast out in both Spanish and English. So she'll do interviews, but then she'll go back and summarize if the guest does not speak Spanish for her Spanish listeners. And I was actually just on her podcast very recently talking about hypnosis, and she talks about her own experiences with hypnosis as well. I have listened to her podcast for like years now. She's put it out for years. So I suggest give it a listen. You can find her at emotionsinharmony.com and that will be in the show notes too. So you can just click right on it and give her podcast a listen, see if you like it as much as I do. Another reminder is that you can join the newsletter now and get free hypnosis files just by texting the word hypnotize. 2444999 super easy text hypnotize 2444999 and you'll get free hypnosis files in your inbox today's episode is sponsored by astrologer Rachel Middleton Rachel's an amazing astrologer and astrology can be such a helpful tool in your life it can help you understand something that happened in the past can help you see what's going on currently, like give you clarity that way, as well as let you know what's coming up in the future, like what cycle are you in and where are you in that cycle and what would be a productive path forward for you in terms of working with what's going on in your life astrologically. So I highly recommend her. She gives a 10% discount to all of the Dr. Liz listeners and the podcast listeners. So just mention Dr. Liz or Hypnotize Me podcast for that 10% discount. You can contact her through email, firstmagnitude at gmail.com. That's the word first, F-I-R-S-T, magnitude, M-A-G-N-I-T-U-D-E at gmail.com, or you can also see more about her or contact her through medium.com. So that's medium.com slash iHeartAstrology. And that information is in the show notes if you wanna check there too. Today's guest is Dr. Adina Silvestri. She is located in Richmond, Virginia. She has a private practice there, and she specializes in treating substance abuse issues as well as eating disorders, anger management, and resolving trauma. Those all sometimes go together, but she has a unique take on treating substance abuse in that she does not subscribe to the 12-step model. So as I say in the interview, there's a lot of therapists who won't even see someone who's in active addiction until they've gone to 12-step meetings or until they're in sobriety. But she uses a variety of techniques that we're gonna talk about on the podcast today to help them without having to do 12-step. She really sees it as a very personal choice. So let's jump in and hear her perspective. Hi, Andina. Welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Hi, Elizabeth. So excited to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. So today's topics I find really fascinating. Um, One is you're an addiction and eating disorder specialist, right? Yes. Okay. And you attract people who don't necessarily want to be involved in the 12-step program. Correct. Okay. So can you explain how you came to this because you know pretty much any addiction counselor you go to will say, Oh no, you've, you've got to be in 12 step. In fact, some of them will say you've got to do a 90 and 90, which means 90 meetings in 90 days
1: mm-hmm.
0: before I'll even see you or you have to be sober for 90 days before I'll see you. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you are a rare breed. So tell me how this evolves <laughs> for you. Um,
1: right. So, um, you know, I'll say that my training was heavily steeped in the 12 step modality. I worked in a, um, a locked psychiatric unit. That was sort of my introduction to, um, to life, um, working with people with addiction. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so, uh, you know, groups and saying, hi, I'm Betty, I'm an alcoholic. I mean, those were things that that were surrounding me. And I just knew that it was wrong. (laughs) Like I knew that coming from a place of fear and weakness was not going to help anybody, especially not the person that was trying to see the light and find some hope and recovery.
0: So, and so, so you had this intuitive hmm? sense that this, there's just something about this that feels wrong for me.
1: Yes. Okay. Definitely. Definitely. And so, um, fast forward to when I opened the practice I just had this website that I threw together and I made sure that I would communicate to people in the community and online that, you know, I'm, I'm very individualistic. I'm not going to tell you that you have to do the 12 step program. You know, we're going to look at other programs, like maybe smart recovery, Mm -hmm. you know, or maybe we'll find a mentor for you that, you know, is, an atheist or, you know, we'll look at spirituality in different ways. And I knew that spirituality needed to be a part of
0: the recovery program, Mm
1: -hmm. but I, I wasn't okay with coming at it from a place of fear.
0: From a place of fear. So what do you mean coming at it from a place of fear?
1: Um, you know, that I, I did something wrong that I'm, that I'm wrong or I'm bad or anything that would elicit shame, I
0: guess. Okay. So you felt like, when people say, you know, hi, I'm Betty, I'm an alcoholic, that, that elicits shame?
1: I do. I do. I think it elicits fear and it elicits shame. Okay. At least for the people that I see. Yeah.
0: Well, there's definitely something about the label, right? And continually identifying yourself like this. In fact, Mm -hmm. in a lot of hypnosis circles, it, it seems like you know, we're, we're trying to change that label, right? Like you don't want to be an alcoholic forever, right? No. <laughs> like, no. So why no. would you stand up and say, hi, I'm like, Betty, I'm an alcoholic for 20 years, right? Like you're <laughs> right. reinforcing that instead of, um, of saying, no, I, I'm actually not an alcoholic. I don't have a problem with drinking anymore. Right. So is that what you mean by that? Yes. Yes. Or or sitting
1: in a group with other individuals that are struggling and and listening to all of the past memories, you know, all of the times that that you probably just want to forget. <laughs>
0: um, uh-huh. All right. So you're also, in favor of forgetting. I don't it's very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. You're in favor yeah. of forgetting. Yeah, Moving on yeah, yeah. Okay. So when you begin to think about this in terms of being a counselor, do you have addiction past yourself? Mm, that's a great question.
1: I do not. Um, but I saw it, I saw it in my family, it, you know, it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, and my dad also had his own restaurant. And so there, you know, I would see it up front and in, in personal, you know, restaurants, bar.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So when you began to be an addiction counselor, you were saying yeah. like, Okay, I don't, I don't want to use this twelve step model, and I don't want to. You know, you mentioned finding an atheist sponsor, so yeah. some. And I know that that's a huge turnoff for a lot of people. Is I'm not mm-hmm. going to go to twelve step because I'm an atheist. Like, why would I mm-hmm. do that? Mm-hmm. And the twelve step people will often say, "Your higher power can be anything. It's not a belief in God." necessarily Mm -hmm. or traditional god or something Mm -hmm. but it is Mm -hmm. a sense of spirituality outside of just yourself right so how do you work with that in terms of atheism and before (laughs) it's not a trick question i want to be upfront about this (laughs) that (laughs) i was an atheist for like 20 years and and i had grew up very religious the a father is a minister and then later my mother became a minister but then I was atheist for 20 years and then felt like in my 40s, I found a sense of spirituality where I definitely believe there's a higher power out there. It is not your traditional um, patriarchal God, not at all. Right. But it's this sense of spirituality outside of myself.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So my ex-husband was an atheist and still is. My kids identify as atheists. You know, despite mm-hmm. my best intentions to mm-hmm. introduce spirituality into their lives, um, so how how do you work with that in terms of addiction?
1: Yeah, so you know, it's interesting. Individuals that um, come to me that identify as atheist still believe in something greater. You know, whether it's you know the stars or the moon or, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you, you know, anything. And so that's what we latch on to is, is their, is their language and, and their meaning of, of, of what, of what it is to believe in something greater. Um, and that's how we incorporate it.
0: Okay. So are these the same people that are saying like, no, I don't want to go to 12 step. Don't want to be part of that. I I don't want to stand around at the end and hold hands and pray and where it starts with God.
1: Nobody wants to do that that come to see me. Yeah.
0: Okay. So they find you somehow. They me, and they're saying that they want help beating this addiction with hypnosis. Well, I
1: just started the hypnosis maybe about a year ago. So they weren't coming for the hypnosis. They, they are now, but, oh, um, okay. but in the beginning, when I first started the practice, they weren't coming for the hypnosis. They were just coming, I guess they were just coming to talk about, you know, how to get better without going the 12 step route, you know, uh-huh. tell me something different. Tell me, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so we would work on this comprehensive relapse plan that involves not going to 12 step model. And I, and you know, I wouldn't say to them, you can't do this. You can't go, go to a bunch of different meetings, Mm -hmm. but this is not what I'm going to subscribe to you. This is not the only way.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Like there's a lots of ways. There's so many ways (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, to get an addiction under control. Absolutely. So in terms of hypnosis, yes. You said you've been doing it about a year and why did you start doing it? Mm.
1: So I started doing it because I needed I needed a tool that would um that would help people recover quickly. Um, you know, people that are struggling with substance abuse and eating disorders, they generally have a trauma past, mm-hmm. trauma abuse past. And so um, you know, having them come in for months at a time and and talking about these real painful emotions, I felt like it wasn't really helping. Um, I wanted them to see progress and, and see it quickly. And so that's when I, when I um, received some training in hypnotherapy
0: wow. and I love it. And what did you find? Do you find that the progress is faster?
1: <laughs> it is, it's faster. So, um, the individuals that I see right now, um, though they report back to me that they have seen, you know, a, a shift or aha moment, or a lot of times they'll, they um, describe it as a lightness after one session wow one session yes yeah i know it 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 blows my mind what are you doing
0: Uh, in that session that's my next question (laughs) (laughs) it's magic elizabeth (laughs) i know i tell my clients that all the time (laughs) i had someone in my house the other day and he's like i've done and he's like in the last two weeks i've done what i've tried to do for three years in regular therapy, and it's this therapist that referred him to me. Wow, because they he, she felt like he was stuck, you know, and so she referred him for hypnosis. But I, I feel I is like I can tell you we're rewriting neural pathways in the brain. I can tell you some of the science. I can tell you we're going into different brainwave states when we go into hypnosis. But there's an element to me that it's just magic, like <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no. know, you know, and and I'll, I consider it uh, spiritual too. Like it's a healing yes, process. Like I really definitely. believe it's my higher power working through me to help heal and give service in that way in this planet. Mm-hmm. But you know that that um doesn't quite work for an atheist, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you should start with that. <laughs> no, I don't. I do not start with that. <laughs> <laughs> Only if someone's really open to hearing that will I reveal <laughs> that. But but you know that I don't have to, right? Like my purpose is not theirs. Right? That's right. just my purpose. It can be very personal and they can be there for whatever reason they want to be there. As long as the healing happens then yeah. then um fantastic wonderful they don't have to adopt my belief system but <laughs> but so you're saying one session and what are you doing in that session sorry I got off track <laughs> okay that's okay
1: um so in that session we're doing um I call it a resource date but for your listeners it's um just basically interviewing them for a few minutes and finding out you know uh what they're really good at, what their strengths are, you know, when was the last time they were really assertive in a situation, and how do they, how do they speak up for themselves, and then putting that into a script, and then um, they bring it home to listen to at night for that post hypnotic suggestion, and so it's uh, I call it hypnolite
0: okay, and when when <laughs> is saying script for most of your mm. listeners, what she's talking about is a hypnosis, so yes. we the hypnotherapists, we often call them scripts because where we write it often on the spot, right? Yeah. Because we're putting in, particularly with custom hypnosis, we're putting in all of these um, good resource states, like you said, Mm -hmm. all of these good things about this person that they want to believe about themselves, that they do believe about themselves. Sometimes Mm. that varies. And then we're putting that into a hypnosis form. But in our mind, it's often a script. Right. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. Like we're writing a script as we go on in the <laughs> session. Um, yeah, with the client. Okay, so they're taking that file home then, the sound file. Yeah, and listening to it throughout their week. Correct. All right, and then they yep. come back and say, "Hey, that was really helpful."
1: Yeah, and then we dive in, and then we dive into um, it mostly shame because I feel like that's. That's the one-two punch. That's what I go for off the bat, and that's
0: what Why keeps shame? people
1: stuck. Um, because I feel like you can't have self-forgiveness unless you, unless you get rid of the shame.
0: Okay, and shame is often at the root of addiction.
1: It's yeah, that's what I find. Shame and fear. Yes.
0: Yeah, I do too. Yeah, it's yeah. often a sense of shame. In fact. In my practice, we call it the shame spiral. Often, like, mm-hmm. when are you in the shame spiral? And sometimes that's when people relapse. Or if you're talking about an eating disorder, like binging or overeating, that's when mm-hmm. they'll go into binging or overeating. Mm-hmm. Is this feeling of um, shame that takes over them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, the addiction is to cover that shame. Mm-hmm. right? Like, let me make it disappear. Yeah. But it just yep. creates more. I want to numb myself. Yeah. I want to numb. Right. Yeah. So when you're working with shame in your practice and you're saying let's mm-hmm. dive in, you're doing that some through hypnosis.
1: I am. I mean, if you know, if they're open to it, I'll I will do the entirety of our work together will be with hypnosis. Um and then if if not, we'll do other things, like I incorporate art into the practice as well. Mm
0: -hmm. And when you're working on shame through hypnosis, Mm -hmm. can you explain a little bit about the process of that?
1: Okay. So we'll talk about shame and what it and what it looks like. And so if they identify shame as something that they want to work on, because sometimes they're not ready at that moment to work on it. But if they identify it as something that they're ready to work on, then we talk about what their life would look like without shame, when they do start to feel good enough, you know, let's, let's meet that future self. Let's go on a journey to meet you shame-free. And so that's, that's where we start.
0: Ah, so you're putting that image into yeah. hypnosis. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I want them to see it, smell
1: it, think about it, everything.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like really yeah. embody that.
1: Yeah.
0: And we know, that that's often where the change is happening under hypnosis mm-hmm. is when we're doing all the good stuff, right? All the healing mm-hmm. that the brain and the body are able to, um, really move into feeling like that. Mm-hmm. Are you also doing like exploration about where it comes from?
1: Mm-hmm. Do do yeah So we will go back into the memories, um, we'll regress and, um, whatever their subconscious mind brings up, that's, that's what we address in that moment. Um, and then after we're done addressing maybe four or five memories, then we look for, we look to start rewriting those old beliefs, um, into beliefs that will help them, um, on their journey.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. So how, how far do you find people go back? Like what age? Mm,
1: sometimes it's pre-verbal. It, yeah. I mean, and that's always interesting.
0: So pre-verbal, like one, two, <clears throat> in yeah. utero, zero.
1: No, not in utero. sorry. Not in utero. <laughs> not in Euro. Okay. We haven't gone that far.
0: <laughs> I bet people go that far. So. No, that's awful. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Spiritual world. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. But you're saying uh, one or two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's so many shame experiences that happen then. Unintentionally, I think, by parents. Mm-hmm. Really. Mm-hmm. Like even, you know, I I entered parenthood trying to be very conscious of yeah. not creating shame experiences. Mm-hmm. But sometimes stuff just happens. Yes. Right? Where you're like, oh. Or you can see that you didn't intend the child to feel shame at all but somehow they do. Yeah. That's often, um, I know as a parent that that was often difficult for me, like heartbreaking sometimes. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't intend you to feel shame here. So, yeah. so is that what you're talking about? I mean, sometimes it's intentional. You get shitty parents, right? I think for
1: my, for my guys, it's intentional. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I know that you're, children are, are, are fine. Yeah.
0: Well, I do not know. They're not. I always tell them, I hope you enjoy therapy as much as I do. You know? That's <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> totally. They're going to need it. You know. I don't think I know any child of a psychologist who like hasn't been in therapy. <laughs> <That's> so <funny. laughs> yeah. So I don't assume that, but, That's but funny. you know, it, it being in our, our field you hear yeah. absolutely awful stories it, yes you know sometimes yep. this is real cruelty that parents it's have very cool. yeah have inflicted on children either consciously or unconsciously one of the mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. yeah so you're going back to those memories yeah yep. and saying okay what happened what did you conclude mm-hmm. what are the feelings and if we could move forward from age one without shame, what would it be like?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or or what would you tell dad in that moment mm-hmm. when he caused you that shame? You know, and sometimes that's really powerful too, because they're able to talk to dad, you know, from that little girl's point of view, but you know, they yeah. have all this knowledge now and all this, yeah.
0: Yes. That's yeah. so true. Yeah. I do a very similar thing when I'm doing core healing. Mm. If it's safe, then yeah. we talk to the parent. Yeah. And then we do healing around that relationship as well, which is very mm-hmm. moving for people. Mm. Like I'm always surprised at, well, less and less as I do it more and more. But you know, particularly the <laughs> beginning, I was very surprised at the emotion and feeling that would come up under hypnosis. Yeah. That sometimes people couldn't, they couldn't access in the conscious nope. state. Sometimes, no. But it's, it's there in under hypnosis. I agreed. It's sort of there just
1: festering. It's like, oh wow, how long have I carried this all around yes. with me? Yes.
0: Right. And Ugh. it's a release. That emotion is a release. Yeah. Right. Which is, yeah, that took me a long time to learn myself. Like I, you know taught myself not to cry for many years mm. and then i had to sort of relearn how to cry and
1: mm-hmm. and
0: see it as healthy and a release and it is healthy so mm-hmm. healthy for your body and your yep. mind in your soul understood so we sort of strayed away from um your atheist clients right mm-hmm. <laughs> to <Into laughs> shame work and these different ways to get to shame through hypnosis but you said there's some other ways in your practice too you use art
1: um, mm-hmm. what are some others? I use art um I use um Janina Fisher's work I really like her and so I use a lot of somatic interventions you know so okay,
0: not um, maybe with her work
1: oh god she's awesome Yeah. Um, yes. Janina Fisher. Okay. Um, so, you know, maybe an intervention would be, you know, uh, take shame under your wing. And so, you know, maybe just understanding that shame is not who you are. It's not the embodiment of you. Maybe it's just a part of you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe putting it on the couch next to you and, and, you know, what would you like to say to shame or, you know, maybe <laughs> what is it saying to you? Yeah. Um, it's always the harder part, but, um, and so it's sort of, it gives you a little bit of the sense of control and, and it makes
0: it less powerful, you know, when you could
1: just sort of talk to that part of you.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so do you think that that's why your clients do so well? You're saying that they're often better in like successions, yeah, It's because you're yeah. doing some of that shame work. Like that's the root for you.
1: To me, that's the root. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: I was gonna say, do you track your relapse rates? But that's really hard to do. I would. Unless I would like, love.
1: I would love to. I know.
0: Unless <laughs> someone comes back, like often with smoking, I'll ask permission. Like, is it okay if I follow up with you in three months? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that as psychologists and counselors and therapists, we have ethical guidelines where we're not actually allowed to reach out to you whenever we want to check on you. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: There's yeah. a lot
0: of people who don't know that. So mm-hmm. I always I have you have to ask permission. Is it okay if I follow up with you, if it's appropriate, obviously. If it's appropriate. So smoking, yeah. you know, I'll often ask and most of them say sure. Like, yeah, I'd love a three month follow up or six month or whatever that is.
1: Yeah. I'm actually rewriting my forms right now and I'm working on language to sort of add that in there. You know, like, can I, can I give you a survey at three and six months and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, will you be okay with that just yeah. to have it? Formally? That would be
0: great data. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you ever do any of the aversive techniques where you pair the addiction or addictive substance with something really aversive under hypnosis?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we'll do it. Um, We'll do it with smoking. I've only tried it with smoking okay. um, and it seems to work really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So let's pair smoking with the most vile substance you can uh, ever imagine.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you mentioned something earlier. You mentioned that sometimes you'll find someone, uh, a sponsor, quote unquote, who's mm-hmm. atheist. How mm-hmm. do you go about that if they're not in 12 step.
1: Yeah. So luckily I've had, um, I have real go-getters that come to see me and, you know, we'll, we'll just work it into our relapse prevention plan. And within 30, I'll say, you know, you have 30 days to find somebody, you know, other than me, because you only see me once a week. And let's be honest, that just isn't enough. Even though I tell them, you can contact, you can bookend your days with me, contact me in the morning, contact me in the evening. They don't do that. Mm-hmm. So I say, you know, find somebody. It can't be your wife or your girlfriend. Right. And they do. They just do. I don't know It's if it's because we've set that intention early on, but they'll come in the next session and say, Adina, I found this person and this person's perfect. Okay. Yeah.
0: Great. Yeah, that was yeah. a revelation. As I've said in the, The podcast before, I'm a big fan of 12 Step. I've never been addicted to drugs or alcohol, but I've been in other programs. And I was like, this sponsored thing is fantastic. You know, like I I can call them at like 10 a.m. and 12 and two, yeah. and what like however much I want and, However and much big, show. I, mean, I was like you can't do that with it there I mean you could but it'd be very costly and
1: it would be costly. and, I,
0: and actually you, you pretty much can't like we're in session a lot of the time right or we have family no. or yeah whatever. it's a different type of relationship for sure than a sponsor but um but that is that's interesting so they end up just finding someone who yeah whatever means that serves that function for them. Correct. And you feel like that part of, you know, that evolved from, from 12 step but that part of the program is really good for them. Yeah. I love that part of the program. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned smart recovery too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is not a 12 step recovery model. Mm -hmm. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about smart recovery?
1: Yeah. So Unfortunately, I haven't been to a meeting um, for Smart Recovery, but I have talked to a lot of the meeting leaders Mm -hmm. uh, in the past. And so what they tell me is that, you know, it's very um, cognitive behavioral based. So um, looking at your triggers and looking at how to replace those behaviors with new behaviors and there and there is no. You don't have to subscribe to, to a God um, in order to be a member.
0: Mm-hmm. I know there's meetings around the country.
1: Yeah. There are, there are meetings around the country. There aren't that many Smart Recovery meetings in Richmond, which is awful. Um, <laughs> and and they don't have a sponsor component either.
0: Oh, they don't. Okay. yeah, no. didn't know
1: that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I learned about it, actually, from another podcast. Uh Dwayne oh, okay. Osterlin's podcast.
1: Yeah, I um, like Dwayne.
0: I'm trying to remember the name of the podcast. Is it the addicted mind? um, It is the addicted mind. The addicted mind. Yeah. It's an excellent podcast and he covers all kinds of different programs. It's not just 12 step. So Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. fascinating. Well, it has been a wonderful time speaking with you. Can you tell people how to find you if they'd like to work with you?
1: Yeah, so they can find me at my website and it's adinasilvestri.com. dot com. I'll spell it. It's A D I N A S is in Sam I L V is in Victor E S T R I dot com. And then we're also on a variety of social media platforms. Okay,
0: wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being
1: here. Yeah, thank you.